everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. Uh, it's hot. I actually really shouldn't be complaining or saying too much since we just recently got our hot weather, while other parts of the country, world, have been mm, kind of baking underneath this summer sun. So, as always, take care of yourself. Take care of your pets. If you're not sure what to do, always ask yourself, what would the Ingalls do? Chances are they would say they would go swimming in Plum Creek. And again, thank you to everyone who has listened to From Plum Creek with Love. Not so long ago, it used to take me over a month to get a thousand listens. We are currently at episode five, and those 1,000 additional listens came from the first three episodes of season six. In fact, prior to the publication of this episode, we are well on our way to 2,000. So again, thank you to everyone who has listened, continued to listen, shared the word about this podcast, left a rating or a review. I thank you and appreciate you so much. Who knows? We might even get to 30,000 listens by the end of season six. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled Annabelle and debuted on October 15th, 1979. The episode was written by Del Reisman and directed by William F. Claxton. A caravan of kids being led by a Mr. Olsen lookalike are making their way through the hillsides of the prairie. Actually, the man resembling Mr. Olsen says, Come on, kids, follow London. One of the children inquires if his last name is Bridge. London falls down on the spot. Just kidding. But he tells us that London is his name. Not whether it's his first or last name. It's just London. For extra clarification, Lore inquires, like England or Ontario? There's an eye roll from London as he also proclaims that he just appeared one day on a hilltop, fully developed, out of the blue. Laura proceeds to inquire how much they're going to earn. London, ah, the voice of reason, and naturally it's a female voice. His words, not mine, and informs him they will all earn a nickel and a ducat for admission to the show. At the best little old traveling circus in the Midwest, USA, and Canada, as the children are integrated into the crew to help set up the tent, London comes out and says, great, there are no slackers here. London also takes this time to mention that they are there on behalf of an invitation from Mr. Olson. Willie announces he's my dad. Hearing this, London has Willie deliver a message. Tell your father thank you and tell him I would like to see him after the parade. I've got great words for his progeny. Willie takes this moment to look at Laura. What's that? Laura looks Willie up and down. It's you. Willie, if it's something about me, it can't be good. It's been since season four since we've seen some clowns. But here they are in Walnut Grove. A number of them. There's also stilt walkers. There's even an elephant. 
and lots of fancy, flashy costumes. And in the mix of it all is a woman dressed in a pink romper who looks as though they would have been great casted in a biopic on Edith Massey. Oh, there's also unicycles and jugglers. This is quite a feast for the eyes in Walnut Grove. Mr. Olson moves through the crowd. Seriously, we haven't seen this many people in Walnut Grove since Founder's Day at the end of season one. Anyway, Mr. Olson comes across a clown and he inquires about London. And perhaps this clown could deliver a message. It's less of a message and more of an invitation. To Nellie's place for an all-you-can-eat buffet. I wonder if anyone discussed that with Nellie or Harriet. At this time, Harriet yells out, Ugh, have you ever seen someone with so much avradipoise? She's talking about the Edith Massey look-alike dressed in the baby romper. Mr. Olson takes this moment to look. We hear Harriet continue, Oh, I forgot, you're former. What I said was, look at all that fat. Ever see anything so fat? Mr. Olson rushes inside the mercantile and looks out the window. We then get a drastic change in the soundtrack. Cut to the primary bedroom of the Olson estate. Mr. Olson is there. Harriet is rushing in, scolds him for being in the room, and informs him he should be over waiting for the circus people to show up. Mr. Olson claims he's having some stomach issues. Harriet suggests soda water, and as she adjusts Mr. Olson's tie, she tells him that he will be a gracious host, warm and outgoing. It's half true. Harriet then proclaims the real reason because they have plenty of money at stake. She proclaims she saw 20 and 30 folks in town today that are total strangers. This circus is going to be a moneymaker for the mercantile. Over at Nellie's, the guests are arriving. First is the little person in a flashy yellow suit, as well as our Edith Massey look-alike. And I guess... Caroline still works? Or maybe she's just hired for special events such as this. Laura and Albert are waiters, and Mr. Olson, he's hiding in the kitchen. Laura comes into the kitchen and grabs a plate to prep a meal. She mentions how the crying clown, he really can't talk. Ooh, and Laura is piling on the mashed potatoes. Caroline looks, whoa, girl. Laura says it's all right, as she tells her mom who it's for. She's a big girl. It's not a big deal. Caroline clears her throat and says, let's be more sensitive, as she trades Laura's plates for more appropriate size serving. If she wants more, we'll gladly make her more. Mr. Olson eventually makes his way into the indistinct chatter of the dining room. And it is the most colorful display we have ever seen in Walnut Grove. And at this moment, the woman dressed as Edith Massey IDs Mr. Olson. But he takes no notice of her as he has a seat with Harriet. Willie passes by with a plate heading up the stairs, announcing he has a tall order. At the table, Harriet notices the pink baby romper woman eyeing Mr. Olson. He tells Harriet to pay no mind, but Harriet has to point out how this woman resembles a starving elephant. 
Mr. Olsen excuses himself, and we see Willie finally deliver that tall order out the window. We cut to evening at the London Circus, and everyone is worried about Annabelle. In fact, we get the entire circus family surrounding Annabelle, and they're all sad because Annabelle is sad. We're family. Tell us what's up. And the what up is, it's a family affair because Annabelle and Mr. Olsen are siblings. If only he had shown a little love, I would have walked right over and given him one of my trademark bear hugs. But no, he looked away. Yep, he's still ashamed of me and my bulk, even as kids. What's wrong with bulk, says the little man. What's wrong with my size? London reminds us that there's nothing, nothing wrong with any of us. We are all body beautiful. The only thing that is wrong is the pain they see Annabelle in. The little man continues, when your brother looked away from you, he looked away from all of us. He even suggests that they should just pack up and go. It's at this moment that London lets us know the little man's name is Owen and says they can't. They signed a letter of agreement. And from Owen, Forkham, we're your family, not Mr. Olson, and we love you, Annabelle. Annabelle reciprocates the love and proclaims the show must go on. And although she says she's all right, she's not. We cut to Mr. Olson in bed, awake, thinking about his actions, which seem to wake Harriet as she inquires what has been on his mind all day. He lies, says there's nothing wrong, and decides perhaps a glass of warm milk will help him. Gross. Downstairs, Mr. Olson, instead of going to the kitchen, has a seat and starts to cry. The next day, Willie is putting up signs advertising London Circus. Harriet instructs him to plaster them all over town. And Willie, in a moment of genius, inquires, even the outhouse? Harriet seems a little confused, but Willie explains, yeah, everyone will see it there. And Harriet calls Willie, her little businessman, and sets him to task. Mr. Olson comes out to put one of those posters up on the mercantile, and Harriet kisses him and celebrates these posters. Nothing warms the cockles of my heart like a good steady flow of cash. Harriet continues that she wants Mr. Olson to head on over to the circus tent to help set up a banner, again advertising the mercantile. Mr. Olson tries to excuse himself from this task by claiming he has a delivery for the blind school. And Harriet, Harriet is putting her foot down and proclaims that since this promotion for this circus, he's been aloft and acting so queerly. She sets out to deliver the banner, but then stops short and starts to LOL. Her idea is to put this banner on the backside of Annabelle. Mobile advertisement. 
she leaves. Over inside the London circus tent, London throws some shade at Harriet. She doesn't pick it up, but that's interrupted when Charles shows up out of the blue. London tells Charles that all the children are doing a great job. But the real reason Charles is there is because he inquires if one of the performers could go up to the student body up at the Hib. London immediately volunteers Annabelle. She is wonderful to children and points Charles in her direction. London checks in on the children, see how Laura's progress is doing. She, however, is distracted. She wants to know where the sad clown is at. London, he's off by himself somewhere. He does it for hours on end. Laura's not picking up on it. London takes this time to inform Laura that the sad clown has never spoken a word since he's been hired on. In the same breath, he looks around and tells Laura, if you're helping, then help. Cut to Mr. Olson arriving at the Hib. And inside, Annabelle is there talking with the students. Sue, Susan Goodspeed, is there as well. As Annabelle has been talking with the student body about the show, she then inquires to them, Well, you've been listening to me. What do you think I do? Susan is called first, and she speculates, Uh, you wear a beautiful spangled costume. It's daring and short, and you arrive on an elephant's trunk. Annabelle LOLs. Roscoe, another student, suggests that She's a magician's assistant who gets sawed in half. Annabelle, I'll give you a hint. I'm part of the sideshow. This student Roscoe apparently has been to a sideshow because he yells out, Oh, do you have a beard? Everyone LOLs. Roscoe, to his defense, states, Some ladies have beards. And to his defense, I have to say, Some ladies are beards. Just ask Mary. With a laugh, Annabelle admits this is true, but that's not me. She stands up and announces, it's bad bitch o'clock. Yeah, it's thick 30. I'm the ample size woman. The kids all sound a little shocked and 100% don't believe her. And that's when Annabelle stands up and invites everyone to walk around her. I'll keep talking and you come up. I want you to feel what a real-life, ample-sized woman feels like. Is she soft and squishy, or is she hard, like the side of a barn? Her words, not mine. As the Hib student body parades around Annabelle, she continues, Go all around the equator. There's the Eastern Hemisphere and the Western Hemisphere. However, her tone shifts when she spots Mr. Olson doing that delivery. And Mr. Olson, he leaves as quickly as he arrived. Annabelle goes and looks out the window and watches him drive away. At Plum Creek later that evening, Laura is working on a sewing project. She gets up to remove the book that's in Charles's lap. He's fallen asleep in the chair by the fire. This does stir Charles as Laura says that he fell asleep Charles, ooh, too much of your ma's good cooking. And from the kitchen, what's wrong with my cooking? Laura returns to her project. She's working on a dress for a Christy Norton. 
and not Christy Kennedy, her former BFF from season one. And apparently this Christy is perfection personified. Laura speculates this girl doesn't even sweat. From behind, we hear Caroline say, we don't talk about people behind their backs, especially ones who hire us to do a job. Albert makes his way down the ladder and says he's pooped. Caroline quickly corrects him and says, you're tired. As he turns around and heads back upstairs, he offers Laura his ticket to the circus. Maybe you want to go with Almanzo? From Laura, uh, who? Why would I do that? You boys seem to think you know everything. From Albert, yeah, girls don't know nothing. Laura corrects him, anything. Albert agrees to that and heads right back up to the loft. Caroline takes this moment to scold Laura. He was just trying to be nice. Laura puts down her project and heads upstairs and then asks Albert if she actually can't have that ticket. She does tell Albert she wants to take Almanzo, but of course, to keep the peace in the house, she doesn't want to mention this in front of Charles. Graciously, she accepts the ticket and heads back downstairs. Charles is once again asleep in the chair, which is a good thing because Albert yells down from the loft how Laura should ask Almanzo first thing tomorrow morning. And while Caroline delivers a smile, Laura, an eye roll. The next day, Laura is running down that memorable hillside she threw Nellie over on her way to the feed and seed. She stops short, however. She wants to practice what she's going to say to Almanzo. Her first attempt, in her own words, sounds dumb. And she says, I should try being honest. But in the next breath says she can't because that would mean she has to admit how much she loves Almanzo. How much does she love Almanzo, dear listeners? So much. She then decides to try a friendly approach before she slaps herself to stop talking to herself and just do it. And over at the feed and seed, Laura makes her approach and is, of course, quickly noticed by Manny. And yes, we notice how cute he is. Laura then extends the invitation to go to the circus with her. But Almanzo, he has to turn it down. He's already made plans going with a lady. Laura, trying not to appear hurt, but is, adding salt to the wound, the new Christy shows up at that moment, and she gives Laura the up and down with her stink eye. Her first words are not hi or hello, but where's my dress? Laura says, uh, tomorrow at five, like we agreed. Christy takes this moment to belittle her in front of Almanzo. Christy then turns her attention to Almanzo and asks when she's going to be picked up for the circus. We're told the uh, show starts at 7.30, which in Walnut Grove, that seems a little late. As Laura turns and leaves, Christy, in a very loud voice, I hope that child finishes my dress in time. I want to look nice for you. Inside the circus tent, Laura shows up and our muted clown is also there. Laura makes her way 
over to Albert and hands back the ticket and shares the events that have just happened. Oh, he's taking out Miss Snooty Pants? Albert sees that his sister is hurt and then proceeds to throw more salt on the wound. Well, you do know Almanzo is too old for you. It's as simple as that. To her defense, Laura proclaims, there are many famous marriages that always have age differences. And Albert, girl, take my advice, forget him. Laura turns and sees the muted clown and goes and has a seat next to him. I'm as sad as you are, or at least as sad as you look. The clown raises his hand, wipes and flicks away a tear. Laura continues, we're both sad and we can't tell anyone about it. However, Laura looks at the sad muted clown and proceeds to do what she always does with secrets, shares them. The big thing that bothers Laura is that she's afraid that Almanzo will marry someone else before she even gets a chance to be old enough. And this clown, it's not that he's mute. He only speaks French. Pour cassie, pour cassa, pour qui cesse, comme si. Just kidding. What he says is, que sera, sera. Not only that, but the clown reveals himself to be. Are we surprised? No, not really. London reveals to Laura that everyone in the circus, they live together and work together, and they don't have secrets from one another. However, he does pledge not to reveal Laura's secret to anyone. Laura, with her mouth agape, I was fooled. I thought you were so sad. Again, Nellie's words of calling Laura naive at this time echo through my head. In regard to his sad clown, London states, oh, that's my brand. My sadness helps make other people happy. Laura claims her sadness would make her a great clown. And that's how Laura joined the circus as an assistant clown. However, over on the other side of the tent, Albert has been there the entire time and yells out he wants to be a clown too. London states he can be, only if he keeps Laura and London's secrets. We are over at the Olsons and Mr. Olson is being fitted for a ring leader jacket. Harriet pokes him with a needle. Willie claims the jacket makes his dad look really important. And Harriet, of course, thinks it's appropriate for the sponsor of the circus to be the ringleader. Mr. Olson, however, says the ringmaster should be loud and funny. And with a giggle, Harriet confesses, You can be loud, and I swear, I heard you say something funny once. Harriet continues by suggesting just simply make fun of the ample-sized woman. Apparently... Harriet has been thinking of quite a few zingers slash flat-out insults, which prompts Willie and Nellie to jump in as well. And hearing how his family perceives Annabelle, Mr. Olson has had enough, rips the jacket off, and confesses, that lady is my sister. Harriet LOLs, it can't be. 
and Mr. Olsen reassures her it's true, then leaves. We find Mr. Olsen heading to the circus tent. He looks around inside, exits, and then hears, You looking for me, Nels? Annabelle steps out of the shadows. I promise I won't tell the town folk. We, unfortunately, find out in this moment that this behavior of Mr. Olsen's is nothing new. Even in his youth, he didn't want to be associated with her. We're told he would rather stand outside before the school opened to avoid being seen with his sister. Annabelle continues, I accepted your behavior then, and now. Nothing's changed. Mr. Olson tries to defend himself, then stops. Annabelle picks up the pace. I was put here on this planet for a purpose. I have a place in this life. I make people laugh, and I make them feel good. And that's not a bad thing to do. Once again, Mr. Olson begins to apologize. Annabelle stops him. You did me a favor. I have a big family, and they love me, and I love them, and I love them for loving me, and we love each other. At this time, we hear London call for Annabelle. She gets up, looks Mr. Olson up and down, and says, Skinny, you're still so skinny. Now go home to your family. Mr. Olson leaves. It's the next day. Laura has finished Christie's dress. Almost. Caroline inspects the dress and informs us that the skirt is only basted. Laura swears she's going to get it done in time as Caroline leaves. And Laura? Laura's mischievous smile starts to reappear. We cut to Laura delivering that dress to Christie's house. Christie, upon opening the door, You'd said you'd be here at five. It's five past five. Laura decides to counter with, Well, it's not going to ruin your evening. And Christy, Don't be flip with me, little girl. And announces that she's only going to pay Laura half of what she promised to teach you a lesson. Laura looks at that money that's being handed to her and turns it down. You're right. I was late, and that was wrong. I can't accept your money, so no charge. I don't want it on my conscience. You can tell she's trying very, very hard not to start laughing. Christy boasts, good, you learned a lesson. And Laura, yeah, my pa says it's good to learn a lesson every once in a while. She looks at that dress, looks at Christy, and announces, I gotta go. Have a wonderful time tonight. Cut to the Olsen's primary bedroom. Mr. Olsen is on the bed, the jacket on the bedpost, and Harriet enters, announcing they have five minutes before they are leaving for the show. And looking at her husband, Harriet proclaims he needs more spirit. After tonight, she will be on her way. She continues, if she cared for you at all, she wouldn't look that way. She must be so ashamed of herself. 
And that's when Mr. Olson stands up. I, the one who's ashamed. Harriet's not listening as she continues to finish primping herself and announces, Our public awaits! Mr. Olson stands up. He's in a nice pair of boots, by the way. And we, through the magic of a quick edit, are at the circus. The cast is coming in the big top. As the band plays, the baby elephant enters, followed by the acrobats, clowns, and such. Oh, and OMG, Ali G is in the audience. As everyone is having fun, Christy tries to get close with Almanzo. P.S. The clowns made baby Grace cry. Mr. Olson comes out and calls for a round of applause. Oh, even the Hib students are there as well as Susan Goodspeed. As Mr. Olson calls forth the Sanders troupe, a pair of clowns come running out. The larger sad clown, aka London, is being chased by a smaller clown with a pail. They run around the Hib students for a moment before the smaller clown tosses the contents of the bucket onto the Hib students. It's just confetti. The clowns make their way over to Christy and Almanzo, Christy could not be bothered. Tara, the baby elephant, comes out to perform their act. Everyone seems to be having a good time, except one person. Circuses are really for children. Don't you think so, Almanzo? Christy's boring. I mean, bored. Almanzo replies, I don't know. I'm kind of liking it myself. Christy, I hope we don't have to stay for the whole thing. At which point, Almanzo's now doing his best to ignore her. As the elephant exits, those two clowns are at it again, running around the audience with a pail full of confetti. Caroline takes this moment to look around and inquire where Laura and Albert are. She hasn't seen them anywhere. And for the first time in season six, Allie G speaks and says, no, I haven't seen them. Mr. Olson is the one who gets dumped with confetti this time. Harriet LOLs, and Willie wishes it was real water. Harriet and Nellie are appalled. That would ruin his fine new suit. And Willie, you people don't know what's funny. At this time, the strongman enters, and OMG, I think I've spotted our first tattoo on the prairie. It should also be noted, this strongman... Is lifting with his knees. Back over with Almanzo, Christy still looks bored as the strong man completes his act. It's at this time Caroline identifies Albert as one of the clowns helping out. And once again, we have that clown chase, but third time's a charm. And as this act is playing out in front of Christy and Almanzo, guess who is doused with real water? Oh, and not only that, the extra water weight brings down Christie's pasted skirt, and she's standing there in her bloomers. This gets plenty of laughs and applause. Charles, who's nice enough, narrates the entire scene for the hip students. Once Christie is gone, that clown, FYI, no surprise, it's Laura, steals a kiss from Almanzo, then quickly reveals herself to Caroline as she leaves. There's also a high wire act. Where's Jordan Harrison at this moment? 
Maybe he's still traumatized from his own fall from a tightrope walk. You know, back in Season 5's Blind Man's Bluff? Once the Highwire Act is complete, then it comes time for Annabelle's entrance. And as Mr. Olsen watches his sister's acts, the audience is laughing and applauding, having a good time. When her act is over, it's time for bows. Mr. Olsen, at this time, then gives a speech, thanking London Circus for giving us the thrills and making us laugh. It's a pretty amazing thing you can do with your life. Make people happy. And this is the moment Mr. Olsen spills his tea. This is my sister, Annabelle. Harriet Olsen shrinks into her seat. And Annabelle, she steps forward. And instead of taking her brother's hand, Annabelle gives Mr. Olsen one of her trademark bear hugs as the audience applause. Thinking back in my youth to television and movies, of course, that I used to watch, some of them I still do, there are very few instances I can recall seeing full-figured actresses anywhere. Prior to 1988, the only two that I could really recall were Alice Nunn, aka Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and Nancy Parsons, Miss Beulah Ballbricker, in the very, very questionable movie Porky's. And after that, I really can't recall female plus-size actresses. However, if we're to flip it and think of plus-size male actors, I don't even hesitate when I say John Candy. I grew up on a healthy dose of Splash, The Great Outdoors, and Little Shop of Horrors. Immediately following that up with John Goodman, a la Revenge of the Nerds and Raising Arizona, when it came to watching movies in the 80s, it was a free-for-all. But it wasn't until 1988 that I started to see plus-size female actresses more. On television, we were introduced to um, Roseanne of the time, but also in the cinemas, we were introduced to Ricky Lake as Miss Tracy Turnblad in John Waters' Hairspray. I did my best to actually try to find more female actresses of plus size who were on television in the 80s. There weren't many articles on the interweb. There are plenty that want to talk about current actresses, and most of them being in film. And please, if I have not identified someone, please reach out, of course, at that Instagram and Gmail account to let me know. So without getting into rating and reviewing this episode, I feel as though this could be a very valuable episode when it comes to representation on television in the late 70s. And with that, let's finally get to reviewing and rating this episode. Finally, after five plus seasons, we start to explore more than just the Ingalls. Harriet, Mr. Olson, Willie, and Nellie have been in Walnut Grove long before Laura and the rest of the Ingalls clan showed up. However, prior to this season, we haven't really known much about their background. 
we learned back in Blind Journey Part 1 how Harriet Olsen originally came from St. Louis, Missouri. We also found out a few episodes ago that Harriet Olsen actually owned a mercantile business prior to meeting Mr. Olsen. Oh, we also know Mr. Olsen has a first cousin named Olaf Lundstrom, who also happens to have a son named Peter Lundstrom. But after that, there's not much more we are aware of about the Olsen's past. So in this episode, it is quite shocking that this is the first time we hear anything about Mr. Olsen's immediate family, which doesn't even include any sort of reference to his mother or father, but simply his sister. And of course, we find out through Annabelle why their relationship is the way it is. So we know Annabelle eventually left her family because she didn't feel welcome. So now I just can't help but wonder, how did Annabelle get involved with London Circus? What was she doing prior to London finding her? Or let's say it this way, what was she doing prior to London discovering her and putting her on the stage? How long has Annabelle been performing with London Circus? I am very, very intrigued by Annabelle. And for the second time in Little House on the Prairie, we have an episode that focuses on a full-figured character. And while we were introduced to John Bevins and essentially his lack of self-esteem, mixed in, of course, with the harsh treatment his daughter gave him, Annabelle here offers the complete flip story on that. We have Annabelle for the most part, as a very jubilant woman who absolutely loves herself, who, after all her time, knows that she's there in this world, in the Prairieverse, to make people laugh, to make people feel good. And while John Bevins continued to take care of his family, albeit secluded away at the blind school in Winoka, Annabelle is out and proud dressed in that pink romper going down Main Street Walnut Grove, Annabelle seems to just want to celebrate life. And the only people who seem to bring up Annabelle's ample size are the Olsons. And of course, spearheaded by Harriet and Nellie. Willie, unfortunately, is included in that because he's just not smart enough to think for himself at this time. And really, their purpose in this episode is just to encourage Mr. Olson to finally stand up and acknowledge how rotten he has been to his sister. Speaking of rotten, let's talk about Christy. You know, Christy Norton, the one who's now trying to get between Laura and Almanzo. If Nellie ever needed a best friend, here she is. And what Christy also seems to embody is another type of woman that Almanzo's not interested in. Unlike Nellie, who has just left school, Christy here seems a little more sophisticated, or in Albert's words, uppity. And like Nellie, Christy thinks very highly of herself. So if Laura was actually paying attention, she'd realize that Almanzo already has a type, and it's not Christy. Now, what I do have to question is whether or not it was important for Laura to be the seamstress for Christie's dress. Couldn't they simply have butted heads over Almanzo? 
I mean, Laura does seem to be going a little above and beyond here. The whole pails of confetti and water, that was a setup, obviously. So why is Laura going a little more out of her way to humiliate Christy? But I guess the final question I have is, when are people going to learn you don't mess with Laura? And another thing you don't mess with is this week's Little House moment, which goes to that reunion between Mr. Olson and Annabelle at the circus tent. We finally get something on Mr. Olson's past. And unfortunately, it's not putting him in a good light. Mr. Olson, as much as I love him, he's a timid man, which we've known. But here with Annabelle's story, we almost get a reason behind it. And thanks to that whole trip to Winoka, we have a new Mr. Olson with a different outlook on life. When in the end, he finally shares this relationship. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. It's only episode five, and I feel like we are meeting the Olsons for the very first time. And I want to get to know Annabelle more. I want to get to know Mr. Olson even more. But I can't because I'm stuck having to watch Laura fend off all eligible females away from Almanzo. We already know she's going to marry him. They already told us. And we know he's around. So is it possible to take a break from that or the Ingalls in general and spend a little bit more time giving us more of the Olsons? If Charles can go off by himself and work with a broken family to recover from the pains of loss and alcoholism, then we could have an entire episode where it is just the Olsons, or more, just Mr. Olson. So aside from storyline B, Laura being still a brat, I guess, my only other major issue with this episode was how quickly Annabelle changed her mind about forgiving her brother, Mr. Olson. Perhaps maybe knowing a little bit more about how Annabelle left in the middle of the night. Maybe, unlike Laura, she didn't leave a note. We don't know what kind of parents Mr. Olson and Annabelle's were. Was Mr. Olson the odd one out and the senior Olsons actually maybe preferred Annabelle? Who knows? Did Annabelle ever check in with her parents again? Is Annabelle quick to forgive her brother because he's her only living relative left? And instead of, again, Laura being a brat and having this episode finish up with a hug inside the tent, I would have loved to see more of a send-off for Annabelle and the circus. I mean, this is by far one of the biggest things that has happened in Walnut Grove. So its ending was mm, unfulfilling. And that is why we are going to give this episode, Annabelle, a four bonnet rating. Great revelations. We have our first Circus in the Prairie verse, but everything in the end was quickly resolved and concluding in a way that is rather lacklustered. And those are some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode. And as always, I wouldn't mind hearing any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode or any previous episode or season. From Plum Creek with Love, 
at Gmail and Instagram is how you can reach out. Again, thank you for listening to From Plum Creek with Love. And as always, if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, please feel free to leave a rating and or a review on your platform of choice. You just might be assisting someone else in discovering this podcast. And on next week's episode, we'll be going over the episode entitled Preacher Takes a Wife. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and until next time, take care.